Hello, Pastor Lisa Bates Froyland here from Redeemer Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Welcome to our third season of the Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives podcast. The first two seasons used an interview format to explore the pandemic lives of several wonderful people connected to the ministry of our small, diverse, and mighty city congregation. This season, we wanted to offer a more portable way to take in the weekly preaching and music at Redeemer. Listen, as I do, to tons of podcasts while driving, walking my dog Titus, folding laundry, washing dishes, you get the picture. For the fall months of 2022, join us for our series, Peter, Paul, and Mary, as we follow the scriptural impact of three early Christian figures, Peter the Rock, Paul the Pen, and Mary Magdalene, the Tower of Our Faith Tradition. There is a narrative arc to these three months and perhaps some surprising twists and turns along the way, leading us to deeper questions about the decisions that were made along the way that have left us with the church in its current form. Not only that, but perhaps in these past leaders, we might see a way forward. And now, here's the sermon. So the author or authors of Genesis tells us 1,500 years before Jesus walked the earth that God brought Abram outside and said, look toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. And then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. The Apostle Paul writes in a letter to the community at Galatia 20 years after Jesus walked the earth, in Christ Jesus you are children of God through faith. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offering, heirs according to the promise. Now that is a profound shift in how to belong to the family of God and how the community of believers grows promises in both cases, promises with expectations on either side. But before Jesus, this is mostly about bloodlines and obedience to laws and customs, with some pretty cool exceptions along the way of people that were not related. But because of Jesus, belonging becomes through a gift of faith, that faith that somehow makes us able to trust God to perceive the holy realm of the unseen. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit passed along by the words and deeds of those already gifted with the faith. People sharing the faith by talking about Jesus and behaving like they've been inspired by his teaching, by the way Jesus led and fed and saved. And I would look at that and I would say, that is good. That is very good. Yet that's not the only way that communities of faith are growing in the U.S. right now. And it's not even the most common way. The scriptures warn us repeatedly about false teaching in Jesus' names. And now we are seeing religious alignments according to political allegiance. And those politics are influencing how Jesus is taught and shared. This move is dividing those who claim Christian identity so sharply that the one can hardly recognize the other as a fellow Christian. And it has become so easy, so easy, 
to use the means of communication, videos, audio, mess with the video, mess with the audio, that sloppy and slippery and deceitful and hate-filled messaging can be presented and accepted as the gospel truth. Alarm bells are ringing at a time when many have given up this particular battle or are seriously considering doing so. And that means walking with the identity of Christian at the same time as you are engaged in the civics of this country. So look, Lutherans, and I know we're not all Lutherans or raised Lutheran, but Lutherans are rightly accused of being truly awful evangelizers. <laughs> truly terrible. People who tell, who the evangelizers are people who tell people about Jesus and invite them into community. Lutherans leaned on an older model, kind of that Abrahamic model, having a bunch of babies. And in the 1800s and the 1900s, that worked pretty okay. Have a bunch of babies, bring them to Sunday school, confirm them, and then you've got a whole bunch more Lutherans. But the birth rate has slowed, and not all parents will bring kids to church on a regular basis. So it's not working that well anymore, and it was never that faithful to begin with. Do you know why there is an E in the ELCA? It stands for evangelical. What? Yes, it does. It stands for evangelical. So let me tell you the story. When several other denominations were getting together in the late 1980s, they said, well, gosh, what are we going to call this new group? We can't use LCA because that's one of the groups. We can't use ALC because that was another one of the groups. And then a great old pastor stood up and said, I have an idea. We are together because we like to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And the word evangelical comes from the Greek euangelion, and it means good news. So let us be the good news Lutheran church in America. That's why that E is there. There, you learned something. It's not even 1030. This is a good news church. This is a church that looks and perceives grace. And do you know it when you hear it, as you sit here today? Do you recognize it when you see it playing out before your very eyes? Is it compelling enough to guide your life and your perspective? It's positive, it's not negative. I'll tell you a story from yesterday afternoon. I drove from Milwaukee up to Port Washington, and my husband and brother-in-law were taking the sailboat from Milwaukee up to Port Washington so it could stay for a minute in the marina there and then be taken away for storage for the winter. So we pulled in and I met them, and where we were supposed to park the boat was filled with fishermen and fisher people, kids and women and men, all with their lines in the water right where we were supposed to put the boat. And they were not happy to see us. <laughs> they were not at all happy to see us, and they had some things to say. All of Port Washington was a big party yesterday, by the way. And so I asked the fishers, I said, what do you, what, what's this party going on? Um, what would you call it? And he said, 
ruined <laughs> because we were pulling into the slip where they were doing all this fishing. So anyway, it felt a little divisive. It felt a little uncomfortable. And then it was also really tricky to get that boat in the slip because the wind was blowing and we had to keep it from crashing into the dock. So I was right at the front trying to get the nose from going into the, into the dock. And suddenly I looked up and here was one of those fishermen who had quietly scuttled away from the crowd and was on the other side helping me with another rope so that the boat wouldn't crash in. And I looked over at him in his camel and he had his arm in a sling. And I locked eyes with him and I said, thank you. And he said, you're welcome. And then he quietly slipped away. And I recognized the grace in that moment. He had gone out of his way, his arm in a sling. And against the grain, all that tension from the other fishers, to help us, strangers, as smells like Christian spirit to me. So how about you? Could you tell someone why Jesus matters to you today? How following Jesus changes you and how you live day by day? Does Jesus make your life joyful, challenging, both? Would people be surprised to learn that you participate in a Christian congregation? I say all this for two main reasons. First, because of this little boy who's taking a nap right now over here. Pretty soon his head will be wet, he will be dried using his daddy's own baptismal napkin, and he will be anointed with oil. A boy named for each of his grandfathers, Henry and Samuel. Grandpa Samuel is going to witness the baptism today. Grandpa Henry has passed on from this life. Baby Hank, as parents Todd and Rachel call him, will know of Grandpa Henry largely through what is told to him about his namesake. You know how it goes sometimes? The baby gets named after somebody who is like four generations above. Nobody really even knows who that person was. So let's, let's say Lillian, beautiful name, Lillian. So you name the baby Lillian. And if people were around who knew Lillian, they might say, she was a holy terror. <laughs> Why on earth would you name a child after her? But in this case, sometimes you do know the person very thoroughly. What happens when you're named for someone who is thoroughly known? A human being with awesome qualities and truly not awesome qualities. So much so that you might say, I want you to be just like him in some ways and not at all like him in other ways. Today in baptism, Hank becomes the namesake of another, Jesus Christ. Baptized in Christ, clothed in Christ, just like him in the living and the dying, just like him in putting the common good before his own individual wants and desires. There aren't a lot of parents dedicated to taking this step. Not now, not in the United States, not in a church like this one, a faith community like this one who takes the scripture so seriously that when Paul says in verse 28 that baptism erases all other distinctions among any other fellow baptized child of God, we believe it. 
and we act as if it is true as best we can. No more divisions between those who've been enslaved and those always free, between those of one nation or another, and regardless even of gender. We don't organize around those lines as a baptized community. There is no status and should be no classification. So much so that when the ELCA asks me to give the numbers of who belongs to which race, there was one year when I just put everybody in as mixed race. <laughs> Word and sacrament. <laughs> There's no status and should be no classification. So just one thing matters. All of you are namesakes of Jesus Christ. So then how about if we join in together and pray and sing and learn and serve and grow like a big family with few blood relations? When we baptize, we describe the why and the how like this, so that Henry Samuel will learn to trust God. Why? So that he can proclaim Christ through word and deed. Why? So that he will care for others and the world God made. Why? So he will work with us on justice and peace. How? He'll be brought to gatherings of the baptized like this one. How? He will be fed at the Lord's table. How? He will be shown the Holy Scriptures and told the stories. This is not mainstream stuff anymore. Mainstream is a football game happening in London. Mainstream is happening on a soccer field. Mainstream is happening in very large gatherings of evangelical Christians. Todd and Rachel, in parenting this way, you are zigging while most others are zagging. When I was looking at the baptismal preparation materials by Pastor Erlander, he says baptism was political. And it was in the early church. It was a way of resisting the empire forces who said, look out for yourself, because no one's going to be looking out for you. It was self-serving rather than self-giving. What if it becomes political again? Will parents still bravely zig their way to the baptismal font? The second reason I bring all this up today, what it means to be clothed in Christ, is that this Redeemer Church is zigging while the rest of the culture is zagging. And sometimes, honestly, it freaks me out. I am talking about trying to raise $4 million at a time when the... the um, the markets are tanking, and um, we're still in a question mark period about whether people are coming back to church on a regular basis. There's a, a number of reasons not to be doing what we're doing. This is an old church. It looks like a fortress. Nobody wants to be in a place like this anymore. I hear all these things. And yet, this group of people have prayed together and talked with one another and said, let's zig. And I'm reminded that when the floods were about to come, God reached out to one person and said, build an ark. Just one. And it made all the difference. I think we do make a difference here at 19th and Wisconsin in this building. And I think we will make even more of a difference when it is restored and renewed and ready for a mental health clinic and ready to serve people a beautiful meal without them having to go from one level to another. Christians like us are, at the moment, not the numerous ones 
Not the loud ones, not the confrontational or the vicious ones, not the ones with the most money, dang it, or the most effective media strategy. Some of you have told me that you are growing uncomfortable saying that you are Christian because of what the louder and brasher ones have done to the brand. Should we just zag and give up? Let them be the Christians, and we'll just quietly slink away, escaping the judgment of our non-religious peers? I say no way. Do you say no way? And not just out of stubbornness, and I got plenty of that, but in answer to our holy calling. Remember who is truly the only one to judge us. God the mighty, God the merciful, who knows us thoroughly and loves us the most in spite of it all. And rather than likes or views or market share, this is how we shall be measured, brothers and sisters, by how much our walk and talk resembles that of Jesus Christ. The rally on the lawn this afternoon might be small, but it will be faithful, it will be positive, and it will dare to inspire people to vote out of love rather than fear, to vote motivated by who we care for rather than whom we've been encouraged to hate. And you know what? Perhaps no one but God will ever know about your faith in action. The grocery cards that you purchased to slip to the pastor so she can give them to someone who needs it more than you do. And you actually wanted it that way. Perhaps only God will know that you pray every night for the little girl at the public elementary school down the block whom you met when you read her a book. You are the ones sending cards to the elder saints who can't make it to church right now. You'll vote to uphold our representative democracy because you still believe that institutions can work as long as people are willing to do the thankless work of keeping them going, honestly and with integrity, even under the specter of violent threats. Perhaps you're like a fisherman with one arm in a sling, willing to help a trio of sailors, sailors, despite how much they are despised by your peers. I love that you're that kind of Christian. And it keeps me wanting to hang in there with you. And hey, once in a while, let's show up in big numbers. And let's sing boisterous songs about love and peace and, yes, Jesus. And let's shout amen. amen. Let's do it again. Amen. amen. And let this tiny little child lead you today. A little child named Henry Samuel Cook, baptized in Jesus Christ. Let's zig for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. get worried and your load is too hard to bear and your life is like a sad sad story 
No one and nobody really cares If you ever need someone to talk to And if you ever need a helping hand I'll be your ship out on the ocean I'll be your water in a desert sand I've been there, I felt like you do Feeling like a winter would never turn to spring Everybody I know has got problems But there's a solution to everything And if you ever need someone to talk to If you ever need a helping hand I'll be your ship out on the ocean I'll be your water in a desert sand And after you've found your way You won't owe me nothing Cause you're gonna know that your well will never run dry Never run dry And if you ever need someone to talk to If you ever need ship, your ship out on the ocean. I'll be your water in the desert sand. I'll be your water. And I will give you shelter. I'll be your water. I'll be your ship out on the ocean. I'll be your water in the desert sand. And there you have it, a sermon and a song. Hope you are inspired, fortified, challenged by these podcasts, and also willing to donate to support our ministry in the heart of Milwaukee. Online, go to www.redeemermilwaukee.org. An old-fashioned paper check means no fees for you or for me. Redeemer Church, 631 North 19th Street, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53233. That's Redeemer Church, 631 North 19th Street, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53233. Until next time, may our gracious God increase your hope, strengthen your faith, deepen your capacity for love, and grant you peace.